Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome back, Sky community, to another episode of Sky Women. I'm so excited that you're joining us today, and I'm so excited about this guest. I have been watching Stephanie Byerly for quite some time. She is a professor of anesthesiology and pain management and an OB anesthesiologist, and I had the pleasure of meeting her at the Authenticity, Courage, and Empowerment Conference for Women Physicians recently and said, oh my gosh, I have to have you on you know, you're doing all the other things as well. Um, Stephanie, I know that you're also life coach and you have a business specifically for physician healer, which is phenomenal. I feel like as women in medicine, we are so multifaceted. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, thank you so much for what you're doing and what you're bringing, you know, in your professional life to other physicians and also what you do in your everyday professional life and helping moms to have babies comfortably. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes, thanks for joining us. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? Everybody knows that having a baby is uncomfortable. They anticipate some amount of pain, right? I feel like sometimes mamas feel like they get an extra badge of honor if they do it all natural, right? And they don't need any pain medicine. I personally was one of those mamas because in my first pregnancy, I was in med school and I had done my surgery rotation and I had seen the anesthesiologist with those very long needles <laughs> do the epidurals. <laughs> you were scared. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh, no, not me, not me. I run marathons. I can do this. And yeah, it was eight centimeters where I was like, dear God, where's the anesthesiologist? They could not mm-hmm. get there quick enough. And it changed the whole dynamic in the room. Like I couldn't remember what was happening between contractions. I was vomiting with each contraction, you know, like the room became calm and it became a joyful experience. So I love anesthesiology. Yes. (laughs) We're the no pain doctors. We love OB because that's where we actually really can see the results of what, you know, what we do. And, And as you said, it does completely change the experience for the mom and everybody else involved. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And I think that anesthesiologists are a really rare breed and so special because you become, especially in a C-section, you're the photographer, you're the DJ, (laughs) you were the the psychiatrist up at the top, you know, calming the patient and you're keeping mama alive. Like you're in charge of all the vitals and all the blood products and anything else that we need to do. I mean, we're a real team when we're in the operating room. Yes, absolutely. And it's such a different situation because most of the time for anesthesiologists, our patients are asleep. Not always, but most of the time, except for OB. So it's a whole, you know, different situation when you're, you know, you're up there, as you said, sort of taking care of everything at the top of the bed and and dad too, or whoever's in the room with the mom, you know, just making sure everybody's doing okay. Right. Yeah, that's a fair point. You've also got a support person at the the top of the bed when we're doing a section with mom and then baby comes, baby gets to go to chest and you're in charge of everybody. Absolutely. And you're trying to keep the blood pressure cup on and all the monitors and still have the mom be able to do skin to skin and, you know, watching what's happening over the drape. And and yeah, so it's a very much where you're very, have to be very aware of what's going on all around the room. Yeah, absolutely. You got to read the room. Yeah. So 
what was it that attracted you to anesthesia and then specializing in OB? So originally I did want to be an OBGYN when I was in medical school. And then when I was doing my OB rotation as a third year student, I kept looking over the drapes like, Hey, what are you guys doing up there? And so I decided to do an OB anesthesia rotation as an elective. And I just loved it and loved all the procedures and just really um, fast paced medicine. So I didn't really want to do a specialty where I had to go to clinic and, and, you know, round on patients every day and things like this. I was more of like, I want to give a medicine. I want to see what's going to happen. I want to, I want to take results. Out of pain. Yeah. And, and I really, you know, people said to me, well, do you not want to have long-term relationships with patients? And I said, well, it's just different. I, I have to meet a patient and within just a few minutes, they have to trust their life to me. And so yeah. I'm really helping people in critical times, you know, right. there's really not many people who are not anxious when they're going to the operating room, even if it's right. something they've, they've chosen to do totally electively. And right. so, you know, to trust your anesthesiologist and know that you can make a total difference for people. But I love OB. I really, where I've been, I've been taking care of very critically ill pregnant women for yeah. seven years. And the sickest pregnant women that you could imagine get, get sent to our center. And it really is, it's a different experience when you're with an awake patient and you, they may be in labor for, as we know, you know, 24, if not more hours and you're, you know, you're trying to get them through this and to make this a good experience for them, but to also keep them safe because I'm not sure, you know, as far as the people listening, understanding that the maternal rate of, you know, not doing well from pregnancy is pretty high in the United States, especially in Texas. And so, you know, it really is balancing, keeping them safe and making them comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're a big part of helping us in that maternal morbidity and mortality. So mamas who are dying around childbirth, like, I mean, I, the number of times that I've been called to a maternal code, you better believe I'm like, where's anesthesia? Yeah. (laughs) Like we are the two doctors in the room and it makes a big difference for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, let's get into some very common questions in your line of expertise. So what is the difference between an epidural and a spinal? Okay. So just a little education here. So there's a space that's not normally occupied by anything and we call it a potential space. And so it's the epidural space and it's the space outside of the spinal cord and the lining of the spinal cord. So it's before you penetrate any layers to actually enter the fluid that's around your spinal cord. So it's before, before the space around your spinal cord, I guess I would say. So it's a, when we get in there with a needle, it sort of opens up a space that's not normally used for anything. And so what we do is we put a catheter in there and we will give you medicine continuously through that catheter versus the spinal, which is usually you go in with a needle and it's one, usually one shot sort of situation. So you go with the needle, you put medicine in, you get numb really quickly, but you can't add more medicine to it. There is a special situation where you can put a catheter into the spinal fluid, but it's not very common. So normally we think of a spinal as one, one shot, you get numb, no more medicine versus an epidural where you can continue to add medicine as long as you need to, to get the patient numb. Okay. And so when are you choosing which to use? 
So it depends what the situation is. So for say, if someone's coming in for labor, we usually put in an epidural, but what's really common now is to do something called a DP, which is a technical term, but dry puncture epidural. And what that means is we do we put an epidural in, but through that same needle, we actually put a spinal needle, put it in, make sure we're in the exact right spot. And we take the spinal needle out and then we just thread the epidural catheter. But that gives us a lot of benefits. One, we know that it's in the right place. And two, it actually helps the patient get better pain control. So sometimes it's sort of a combination. I see. When, so, and then sometimes say if you're coming in for a C-section and it was a planned C-section. So you had to have it for a certain reason. Sometimes they'll do this, what we call this one-shot spinal, where you come in, you get the spinal, you get numb up to your breast area. You're numb through the entire procedure. The great part with the spinal and the epidural, though, is we can put long-acting morphine in there that really helps with pain control. And so um, there's the spinal that they can use for one shot for a C-section, or sometimes what we do is something called the combined spinal epidural, which is where we purposefully do an epidural. We do the spinal again, but then we do put medicine through the spinal that gets you really numb really quickly, and it has this wonderful long-acting pain medicine. We may, you know, put the catheter in so that say during your C-section, if you start to feel anything, we can actually give you more medicine through the epidural. So it's sort of like coming in for a procedure, like a C-section versus if you're coming in for labor, most of the time labor will be an epidural. They may do that extra little spinal for just some extra medicine, but it's not something that you can continue to redose if it's just a spinal. Right, right. So like if you're being induced and you know this is going to be a while, you're going to want something yes. that you can continuously. Absolutely. Medications. Yes. Okay. Yes. So another common question is, is it going to, like just this generalized fear yeah. around it, right? Yeah. Will it hurt when I get my epidural? So we give numbing medicine, a lot of, a lot of numbing medicine. And before we start, you know, we just say, can you feel this? Can you feel this? And if not, we proceed. But if you start to feel any pain, we stop and give you more numbing medicine. The thing is, is that you will feel a funny sensation. So it's like a right. pressure sensation because we're sticking, you know, a needle in between the bones in your back. But again, it shouldn't be painful. And if it is, you should get some more numbing medicine. But just to know pressure is something, unfortunately, we can't get rid of. So that sensation is there. So it just feels funny. Right, right. And is the medication harmful to baby? I always kind of giggle like yeah. this as an OBGYN. Yeah. I'm like, nothing I give will be harmful to baby. You know? Yes. But yes. <laughs> so there, the baby does barely, I mean, it's so minimal, the trace amounts of anything that we give that gets to the baby. And that's why epidural anesthesia is so safe because it doesn't get to the baby. And so I think one of the things that people are afraid of is that it's going to also slow down their labor. And there have been all these studies, in the literature scientifically proven to show that it doesn't slow down labor. And we don't make women wait anymore. We used to say, oh, until you get to three centimeters or four centimeters, you can't have an epidural. Right, but right. now we don't do that anymore. And it is so safe as far as the baby not getting the medication and it helps mom relax yes. so much more. Yes. And so there, you know, the labor usually kind of progresses. Yeah, right. I agree. It is going to progress. It generally yes. will progress well. Yes. If it's you're relaxed. Yes. yes. Oftentimes I've seen mamas who are so tense and so anxious and so uncomfortable yes. and they finally get that epidural and then we get to complete, you yes. know? 
And I will, well, I will tell you because um, I have the benefit as a female OB anesthesiologist when women are concerned to say, look, I've had three epidurals myself and I wouldn't have subjected myself or my baby to something that I thought was dangerous. Yes, so, and yes. usually when I, when I say that, they're like, oh, well, that makes sense, you know, because yeah, you probably wouldn't have. And so yeah. that puts them at much more ease. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Four babies, four epidurals. Absolutely. Oh, goodness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you brought a couple of interesting points that I just mm-hmm. want to bring up. So when you were saying, you know, that they concerned about slowing labor, will I feel to push? That's another really common question. Am I going to be able to feel to push if I'm not? So occasionally I will say that sometimes you feel so numb and we have to turn the epidural infusion down because we usually run medicine continuously through there. Sometimes we have to turn it down until some of the medicine goes away, but for the most part, you can feel the pushing. And again, it's that pressure sensation that's going to be there. And it's such a natural thing that your body is like, okay, even though you can't really feel the pain of the contraction, it's time to push. Right, right, right. The pressure to push. Yes. And sometimes if they've recently gotten dosed and go to complete, you know, 10 centimeters dilation and and they're feeling that urge to push, you know, sometimes it does take a little bit of guidance. So sometimes I like put two fingers on the pelvic floor and kind of apply some pressure Mm -hmm. to, you know, let them know like this is the direction. But once they get the hang of it and that head comes down, like they're going to push regardless of an epidural. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yes. And, And I think there's just so people have been told so many nightmare stories mm-hmm. about epidurals. So there's this fear, you know, yeah. but, but they're so safe. Again, I've had three, you've had four, you know, yeah. I just hate to see women suffering in pain. If they're just, it's the fear, you know, situation and we could allay their fears. Right. Well, because I think that there is a big fear component to it. And I don't know any other procedure surgical encounter that anybody would have where they would do it without anesthesia. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. what, other, what other realm of our life would we think is totally okay to suffer through this? Pain? <laughs> no, absolutely. And you know, there are some women that really come in and they're like, I'm having this natural. And yeah. I would say out of 10 women that come in, one will make it going yeah. all natural. And it isn't, I mean, it's just, it's not a failure thing. It's like, oh. why suffer? You know, why? Yes. So. Agree. And in saying that, I also want to say, I respect your choices, whatever our patients choose. If you want to have a natural labor, if you want to labor in the tub, if you want to have, you know, whatever nitrous oxide, you know, to have alleviate labor, like there's so many choices and we're going to support your choices and whatever they are. But if you're choosing for some pain control, then we're here to educate you and let you know what the options are. Okay. Now you brought up an, 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 something that came to mind when you were talking earlier about the safety of an epidural and how the, the medicine doesn't get to baby. Well, that immediately made me think of, okay, well, we have to go under general anesthesia. Okay. So that's a unique scenario, right? Where yes. we have an emergency C-section for whatever reason, either mama's crashing or baby's crashing and mama doesn't have an epidural or a spinal on board. We don't have adequate pain control and we have to get baby out quickly. Then yes. we undergo general anesthesia. So talk to us a little bit about that. So general anesthesia is what we commonly do in the regular operating room. So, you know, for any other procedure that you're having done, it can, what happens is when we put you to sleep, we put you to sleep with IV medicine that can go to baby as well. But when we put the breathing tube down, which we have to for this, 
the medicine that keeps you asleep, some of that does cross over to the baby. But that's why when we do general anesthesia, we are ready to go. So a patient, if they do have to have this, will know that we don't, uh, we put up the drape, we make everything all sterile. And then you as the obstetrician and the nurse would be ready to go as soon as we got the patient to sleep so that the baby receives the smallest amount of general anesthesia. And I would have to say that I rarely have I ever seen where a baby has come out ultra sleepy or really been affected by the general anesthetic because you guys move so quickly when we have to do a general anesthetic for that reason. Right, right. It typically is a true emergency. And so we mm-hmm. are all, it's like a well, it's it's a beautiful dance in my opinion, really in operating room because everything is ready to go. The minute you say go, we are cutting and we're getting a baby within minutes. Right. Yeah, and and so additionally, there are times when someone say can't have an epidural or a spinal due to say if they're on a blood thinner or if they have some kind of issue as the mom where we can't actually do that. And if they do need a C-section that we have to electively plan on general anesthesia mm-hmm. and we do it the same way where again, right. you know, everybody's ready to go. We go ahead, get, get mom to sleep and the baby is out really quickly. Right. And we should mention that Anytime that that's happening, we have the neonatal intensive care unit yes. there. The team is there for baby. So you and the OB-GYN are part of mom's team, right? Yes. And then we've got a baby team there as well because baby will need to resuscitate after coming out of the wound if it's it's had it's going to have had some exposure to that anesthesia, yes. right? And so right. it'll be a little bit suppressed, and it's going to need some help, you know, to kind of get going on yep. this side of the world. <laughs> That's right. They're like, wait, it's really bright in here and it's not warm anymore. What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's my warm cozy spot? Where's yeah. my warm floaty place? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about when there are complications with anesthesia, like a spinal headache. And another huge concern I hear about is back pain. So I want us to kind of walk through those. Typical sure. presentation of a spinal headache. How often does it happen? What's a blood patch? How does it work? So it's not very common to have a spinal headache, especially now because the the needles that we use are so small, but there are a subset of women that will will get them. Um, And it does also depend on how experienced your provider is, you know, to be honest. But when you have a spinal headache, it usually occurs within 24 hours of the delivery. And it's a very distinct type of headache. So when you're laying down, you usually don't have any symptoms, but when you sit up, you're going to get symptoms where you may get neck pain, you get a pounding headache, you may get photophobia or where the light is very, very difficult for your eyes, nausea. But again, when you're laying down, you don't get the symptoms. It's just when you sit up. And so there are ways to treat that conservatively. We usually don't do a blood patch until it's been at least 24 hours because it's less effective if we do it immediately sometimes. And so you can drink a lot of fluid, have a lot of caffeine. And sometimes that actually will help it resolve because what it is, is like there's a little hole where we went through the, the membranes to get into the spinal fluid. And sometimes the fluid is leaking out. So if you drink a lot, you'll make more fluid and the, the hole actually seal. But there is this thing called an epidural blood patch where we do another epidural. And then what happens is someone is back there putting in your epidural and then say a nurse or a nurse anesthetist or someone who's assisting will will draw your blood as the patient in a sterile fashion and then hand the blood back to the anesthesiologist. 
and they'll actually put blood in the epidural space. And then what it does is it forms a clot over that little hole where the fluid is dripping out of. And normally the patient will get immediate relief. And it's very rare, but there is a rare instance where some patients will need a second blood patch. But again, that is not common. If you do not get a blood patch though, and you still have the headache, normally it resolves within seven days. So usually it goes away within that time. But we know that, you know, obviously if you have this kind of headache that be debilitating and you have a brand new baby, you know, right. we don't want you going home, you know, miserable. We would right. rather, if there's no, no reason not to do a blood patch, just to go ahead and get that done. Right, right. And what yes. are some instances when you wouldn't do a blood patch? So if somebody, say somebody has some kind of issue with their, their spine and it was really difficult to get the epidural in, you wouldn't want to take a chance of having a problem getting another epidural in and then causing a bigger hole. If okay. you were concerned that the patient had something going on like in, in their brain that you were not aware of before and you're concerned that there may be something else going on, then mm-hmm. you may need to get do a further workup, like at a CAT scan or get an MRI, or for some reason, let's say they had to put the patient back on, say, a blood thinner, where you okay. wouldn't want to be sticking a needle back there. But most of the time, unless there's you know some issue, if they got an epidural in the first place or a spinal, they're usually okay to get the blood patch. Okay, great. Yeah. Awesome. And how often does the blood patch work? Usually it's pretty effective. It's in the nineties. Yes. And again, usually the first one is immediate relief. I mean, they'll say, oh my gosh, my headache is gone. Yeah. Because normally they're sitting up when you do the blood patch because, Mm -hmm. and you have to ask them like, okay, does your back hurt as you're putting the amount of blood in there? That's when you know how much exactly they put in. When they say, oh, this is a lot of pressure. We got to stop. And, but usually they're sitting up and then they're like, oh my gosh, my headache is gone. And you can just tell their face. They just feel so, so great all of a sudden. So yeah, Yeah. but again, rare, but it can happen where you have to do two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think working in the OB emergency department, of course, I see, I have seen more than my share of spinal headaches, but you know, that's where, that's where all those cases go. So um, it it is always amazing to see the immediate relief, you know, where mom came in just totally debilitated by the pain and leaves cheerful. Like it's just excited that she feels so much better. And you do though have to lay flat for a certain period of time after, because we don't want that blood that's forming the clot over the hole to move because then the headache is going to come right back. So you do have to be prepared to lay flat for like three hours, but it's worth it. Right. So if moms have these symptoms, the severe headache, worse when she's sitting, the nausea, the vomiting, all the things going on, the OB emergency department, which so many hospitals now are have Mm -hmm. and have developed is the place to go. If you don't have that in your community, then your labor and delivery unit is where you need to go to get right. Like where where I work, we have them come right to labor and delivery um, and we do it right there. So yes, but they should be able to take care of you immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about back pain because there's always that one or two. I mean, I can think in the last 12 years or so that I've had, you know, those one or two patients who swear that their epidural is the source Mm -hmm. of all of their back pain from that moment on. Personally, I have not had that. I have been so grateful for an epidural. Um, If anything, it's like the weakened core in that postpartum period where now we're responsible for a tiny human everywhere. And the strollers and the car seats and all the things that create back pain. Right. usually the epidural site. So can you talk to us about what is, is there any validity to this? So uh, first I will say that as most, most pain doctors or a good portion of pain doctors are anesthesiologists. 
and epidural treatback pain. So, you know, people who have some, some different kinds of pathology in their spine, put an epidural in and, and put steroids or other medicines through that. Right. And so the chance of that causing back pain due to the epidural is pretty slim. The same thing, you know, goes for, for when you're in labor. Now I will say it may be sore for a couple of weeks, like bruised at the site, right? but the chance of it causing any long-term back, back issues slim. I never had a problem. I've actually had three epidurals and a spinal, but what I think it more commonly is, is what you're saying, picking up car seats, bending over, changing tables, you know, all the things that you're doing that you were not doing before that you associate with back pain. And then I think also what it is to hear these horror stories. So they also have these in their brain, like, oh my gosh, you know, this person had back pain. Now my back hurts and they make that association, but it's, it's extremely rare to have any kind of complications from the epidural, especially back pain. Yeah. Agree. Long-term anyway, again, a couple of weeks, maybe, but after that, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's usually just the bruising at the side. Yeah. But there can be so many things going on. So treating back and pelvic pain in pregnancy and postpartum with hands-on drug-free options, as I do, I see a lot of pathology, whether it's a history of a motor vehicle accident or gymnastics or horseback riding or whatever. I feel like that there's usually a lot going on that can be exacerbated by the fact that our center of gravity is shifting in pregnancy and our abdominal muscles are being stretched and our back muscles are being stretched, right? And then we birth this baby through our pelvic floor and all of a sudden we have somebody new that we need to carry around all the time. Yes. (laughs) And all this extra (laughs) equipment and all the things. So pelvic floor physical therapy is fabulous for this and really enhancing our core strength and really helping us to like function well as a new mama. So I highly recommend that. Absolutely. Not the epidural that has caused your back pain, but you may have some soreness at the side of your epidural. I think that's a really, really important point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anything else that I haven't asked you about that's just really common and you want to relay to moms? Often, and this will depend where you're going to deliver, but they ask about eating and drinking. I would say that it's the mainstream now to at least let moms have clear liquids during labor. And that would include things like, I would say pulpless, so, but things like juices, like, you know, what would we give us like apple juice, we do cranberry juice, mildew jello, we do frozen popsicles. So, you know, things like that, because we actually don't want the mom to be in starvation mode. We want them to have energy. So we want them to have carbohydrates. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to drink as we call it, you know, clear liquids is something that I would definitely for women, unless you're high risk where there may be a reason that you can't have that for the most part, I would make sure that where you're going, they would be able to offer that to you. Yeah, that's a nice point. That is always a big question. And then if we're going for surgery, sometimes there's a delay because of when mama's eaten. Can you kind of talk to us about right. that and what that means? Yeah. And so when we are in the in the regular operating room, say you're going to have a surgery at seven o'clock in the morning, they'll tell you nothing to eat by mouth after midnight. So no solid foods, but you can have clear liquids up to two hours before. And that's what we do with moms now that come in, say for what we call elective or scheduled C-section. Right. So if your C-section's at 9 a.m., you can have some clear liquids up to 7 a.m. The uh, the issue comes in when, say, all of a sudden, say you're having a big old dinner and you're at Whataburger, right? And all of a sudden you go in labor and you need a cesarean section to say it's a repeat and you're like, oh my gosh, I just ate. So if you come in and you need a repeat cesarean section, say you're, you're um, not really in any pain, you have to do the surgery, 
But if you ate recently, we're going to try to wait six to eight hours if you can. So if you're not in labor, if your cervix isn't changing, we're going to wait as long as we can because the risk is is in that instance, if we did have to get you to sleep, Mm-hmm. You'd be concerned if you ate pretty close to that, that the food could come up out of your stomach and go into your lungs while we get you to sleep. And again, that's rare, but it is something that can be life-threatening. And so that's why we're so specific for all surgeries about eating solid food, especially for pregnant women, because they're at a little bit more risk. As you right. can imagine with their, you know, their tummy being really big, all that extra pressure on their stomach, right. we're getting you to sleep. You know, you're not able to really, you know, you what we call your, you're so asleep that you can't protect your airway. So if something came into your throat, you can't cough while we're getting right. you to sleep. So we, we just want to make sure that it's been as long as possible before we get you to sleep. But if yeah. we have to, we have to, and we do it safely. But, you know, we always try to err on the side of caution if we can. Right. Absolutely. Do no harm first. Yes. Do no harm. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today and for answering all of our OB anesthesia questions. This has been a lot of fun. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for what you do and for, you know, answering all these questions and hopefully allaying some fears here. Yeah, absolutely. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.